Namaste Saraswati Deve Gavani Vajani Mugasasis and Yami Paskitavis. Bandeham Shri Guru Shri Uta Parakamalam Shri Guru and Vaishnavamscha. Shri Rupam Sadhujatam Sadhanayata. Okay, it's June 27, 2010 in Croatia. It's not very loud. Is that better? Okay. Have anything at the right height? So today we're going to meditate, if we can get in the right position for the microphone and everything. Today we're going to meditate on the pastime of Krishna chastising Kaliya. And tomorrow, you like that story? Tomorrow we're going to meditate on Lord Brahma stealing the cowherd boys and the cows. And then Wednesday, if everything goes well, on Krishna swallowing the second forest fire. So uh, Bhakti Notsakura in speaking about the different anartas says that Kaliya represents brutal cruelty, maliciousness, pride, envy, and snake-like crookedness. He tries to pour his poison into the hearts of innocent Vaishnavas. So hearing about this pastime helps destroy pride, deceit, harming others, and cruelty. Now both Kali and Agasura are snakes, but Aga real but Kaliya especially wants to poison the hearts of the devotees. So, generally, Krishna would go into the forest with Balaram. And Mother Soda and Nandamaraj felt that if Balaram was there, that Krishna would be nicely taken care of. And this day, Krishna went without Balaram. Now, the Sanskrit is without Rama. So, that can mean that he went without pleasure, because Rama means happiness. And that is because this Kaliya pastime gives the devotees great distress that Krishna was held in the coils of Kaliya. Also, it can mean that he went without Balaram, because Balaram would have forbidden him to go into the water, into the poisonous water. He didn't want Balaram to stop him. And it can be understood simply that Balaram stayed home to observe a function. So Krishna was feeling really satisfied by different activities such as the killing of Dainakasura and his friends, and he wanted to celebrate. Just like whenever we do something wonderful, we want to celebrate. And often when we celebrate, there's music and dancing. So Krishna wanted to dance to celebrate the victory over Dainakasura. At this time, it was the summer, and the boys and cows were feeling very thirsty. It's very hot in Vrindavana. So they went to the Jamuna. Now, they must have all drunk the water together. Usually, the boys would have the cows drink first, and then they would drink. But on this particular occasion, they all drank at the same time. And the reason for this, they all died. The cows and the boys all died. And if they had not all drunk at the same time, as soon as some died, then the others would not have drunk. Now, they apparently fell down dead, although actually all of them have spiritual bodies. So it's not possible that they literally died. But 
Rather, they exhibited death as one of the ecstatic symptoms. Oh, I should say, I should say this at the very beginning. So these seminars are taken from several sources. They're taken from Srila Prabhupada's Krishna book. They're taken from the BBT's 10th Canto. Um, they're also taken from the commentaries of the Acharyas on the 10th Canto, Sridhar Swami, um, Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, Vishnu Chakravati Thakur, and they're also taken from other Vaishnava scriptures where these pastimes are described. So sometimes Srila Prabhupada, one of the Acharyas, will reference another Shastra, such as the Vishnu Purana, or uh, say, Sanatana Goswami's Biyat Bhagavatamrita. So then I've also checked with those sources. So after everybody is apparently dead, Krishna appears to worry for a minute. And we find this circumstance happening in other Leela, like when the boys go into Agasura's mouth, or when uh, Shalva kills the false Vasudev, or in Ram Leela when Indrajit kills the false Sita, or uh, when Hiranyaksha knocks the mace out of Varaha's hand. So sometimes you find a circumstance where the Lord appears to be concerned. What do I do? But then immediately he looked at the boys and it was as if there was nectar dripping out of his eyes. Now, of course, Krishna is Satyasankalpa. Whatever he desires immediately happens. So Krishna could have simply desired that the boys come back to life. Am I speaking slowly enough or should I slow down? So if I get too fast, just let me just Krishna could have just desired that the boys come back to life, and immediately they would have been alive. But these are not ordinary devotees. These cowherd boys and calves, cows are very intimate devotees. Therefore, he didn't just desire, but he glanced at them. And they wondered, you know, what happened? We, we died, and, and now we're back to life. And then they remembered, oh yeah, Gargamuni said that Krishna would be as powerful as Narayana and would save his devotees just like Narayana saves his devotees. And then they were very amazed and they looked at Krishna with great love and they thought, oh, the cause of all of our good fortune is Krishna's glance. Kunti Devi speaks about this in her prayers, I think it's text 39, where she says that all of the opulence in the world is due to your glance. And Srila Prabhupada, in commenting on that verse, and you find it in his uh, lectures, which has been compiled as the teachings of Queen Kunti, he says, all of us should desire that Krishna glance at us and make us full of, of life and, and flourishing in spiritual life. So it's not that the devotees are unaware that they have good fortune, but they don't claim personal credit for their good fortune. Materialistic people think, I have such good fortune because I'm so hardworking or I'm so intelligent, I know the right people. Whereas the devotees say, everything that I have is due to the glance of the Lord. Kali is described as a black serpent. Now that can mean literally that he is the color black. It can also simply mean that he's full of poison. Does anyone know who Kaliya's mother and father are? Kaliya's father is 
Kasyapa. And his mother is Kadru. Kadru. Now, Kasyapa had many wives who were the daughters of Daksha in his second birth. And another one of his wives was named Tarksha. Does anyone know who the famous son of Tarksha is? Garuda. Yes. So that means that Garuda and Kaliya are brothers. They're half brothers. Same father, different mother. Okay. So do you think Kali and Garuda got along? No. So even in the celestial families, there is sometimes fighting between brothers. And the story which we're not telling today, as why Kaliya went in the lake, was because he offended Garuda. And he went in the lake to hide from Garuda. But according to the Garga Sanhita, in his last life, during the Manvantar of Swayambhuva Manu, at the beginning of creation, Kali was a sage named Vedashira, who was cursed for not allowing the sage Ashvashira to meditate in his ashram. He said, no, you can't come and meditate in my ashram. So Ashvashira said, you're angry for no reason. You hiss just like a snake. Become a snake. So, of course, he was a sage, and he was not very happy that he was cursed to be a snake. Then Lord Vishnu appeared and said, don't worry, in your next life, I'll put my lotus feet on your head. Then Vedashira took birth with the first generation of great snakes to appear in the universe from Daksha's daughter, Kadru. Now, Kaliya was a little envious of Garuda, that Garuda gets to be, who does Garuda get to be? The carrier of Vishnu. And Kaliya thought, why can't I be the carrier of Vishnu, just like my brother Garuda? Keep that in mind. So this lake where Kaliya was, was separate from the flow of the Yamuna. If you ever study the geography of rivers, as rivers get very close to the sea, they get heavy with all the soil they're carrying, and they slow down. And as they slow down, they start curving widely. When rivers first come from the mountains, they're flowing very fast and deep, and they flow more in a straight line. But older rivers near the sea, they start curving. And when they curve, sometimes like they'll curve off this way, and then sometimes this curve gets separated from the main flow of the river. So the river may curve like this for a while, and it may go in two streams, one that goes here and one that goes here. And at times when there's not a lot of rain, there may not be enough water to feed both places, so only this straight path may continue, and this other may be cut off. And that forms what's called an oxbow. It's kind of a, a U-shaped bit of water. And over some time, the center may also fill in, and you may get a lake. So that lake will be right next to the river, but it's not part of the flow of the river anymore. And if this lake that Kali was in had been part of the river flow, then all of Mathura would have been poisoned. So obviously it was somewhat separate. And Kali wasn't an ordinary snake, being the son of Kasyapa and Kadru. He was able to make solid objects out of water. So his, he had a whole city under the water, with palaces and who knows what else. The whole area had become contaminated. There was poisonous vapor 24 hours a day 
and the water was boiling from the poison and there was dense black smoke, like you may sometimes see in a very polluted place. And any birds that fell over just dropped dead into the water. The trees and the grass all around was dried up. The whole section of the river was deadly and there were snake holes all around. It's compared to an incurable heart disease. Sometimes do we feel that our heart's like that? Just full of poisonous vapors 24 hours a day. and You know, Bhakti can live in it. <laughs> Sometimes we get a little glimpse of the real nature of the materialistic heart. Now, the Jamuna, of course, is a person. Jamuna Devi. She lives in Dwarka as Kalindi, one of Krishna's wives. And she felt that she had a fire in her belly. You ever feel like that? You ate something bad, you, got, you, know, you feel like your, your belly's on fire. So she felt like she had a big, ball, big, big black ball of fire in her belly. And Krishna wanted to cure her. She's his devotee. Krishna wanted to cure her of this disease. And the waves of the Jamuna looked crimson. You know what color crimson is? Crimson is, is a very slightly bluish red. Very, very slightly. Not, it's not yet purple. It's like a deep red. So the color of Jamuna's waves there in, the, in this lake had become a deep red. And they had a, a golden radiance. This is from the poison. Just like if you've seen the moon on the ocean, how the ocean water will look kind of golden color. So it was sort of this crimson with golden. So she looked very beautiful, even in her poisonous condition. So after Krishna revived the boys and the cows, then he himself jumped into the water. Now they'd have to be just getting revived, or they wouldn't have let Krishna jump into the poison water. But they're just kind of waking up and, oh, wow, all of our fortune is due to Krishna's glance. And then Krishna jumps in the water. And to jump in the water, he climbed up a... Close? Kadamba tree. Just like divers, before they go in the water, they climb up a big diving board. So he climbed up a Kadamba tree. And Kadamba tree has big yellow flowers. Now all the trees in the area were dead except for this tree. And two theories. One is that as soon as Krishna's lotus feet touched the tree, it burst into life. And the other was that Garuda knew the future, and so he put some nectar on this tree to keep it alive and prevent it from being harmed by Kaliya's poison. And when Krishna climbs up this tree, one of Krishna's qualities, one of, well, Krishna's unlimited qualities, one of the 64 qualities mentioned in the nectar of devotion is that Krishna is a very expert dresser, which means two things, both that he dresses very nicely and that he knows how to dress Radharani nicely, but as he climbs up this Kadamba tree, he was really attentive to his clothes. And so he tightens his belt, and he took his curly hair, and he put it up, rearranged it, put the turban around, make sure the curls were all up there. Right? And then he clenched his, maybe he's just a little boy, you know, he clenches his lotus palms, and he did this. just like he was going to start wrestling, right? And then he tells his friends, don't worry. So Krishna's often telling us this in our life. I just gave a seminar in Kalavach about not worrying. And we tend to worry about so many things in our lives. Will I have enough money? Will I have enough food? Will I have a place to eat? Will I have friends? Will people like me? Will I do something important in my life? 
Krishna says, Masujan, don't worry. And so we, we find this recurring theme that Krishna tells the devotees, don't worry. Don't worry. He looks at his friends, it's okay. Don't worry. He says, now watch the cows. And he has this big smile. And he jumps in the water. The, the water overflowed the banks like 100 bow lengths. So, you know, bow is probably about a meter or so. So about 100 meters on both sides of the lake, the water overflowed. So the cows and the boys must have moved back from the shore, right? Or they would have been, again, poisoned by this water. And how did Krishna not be affected? Well, he's the source of Anantadev. So as he's the source of the greatest snake, he's not going to be affected by the poison of one small snake. Now, as Krishna is swimming, he's moving the water around. Remember, this water was boiling, right, from the poison. As he's moving it, as he slaps the water, it bursts into flames as he's swimming. And he also was making a, a huge noise in the water. I said this noise sounded like musical instruments. Sometimes there's musical instruments you can play with water. So as Krishna's splashing around in there, there's all this beautiful music coming out of the water. And then he's looking for Kaliya, so he dives so deep in the lake, it appeared that he was going to Patala planets. Then Kaliya, you know, if you have a home, like, like in our home, we like to have a deity of Krishna, right? We all have a deity of Krishna in your home, a picture of Krishna in your home. So what to speak of if Krishna knocked on your door and came to your home? How happy you would be. There's a story in Ramlila of Shobari. You know the story of Shobari? She was a tribal lady who became a disciple of Matanga Muni. And when her guru was going to leave the planet, he said, you can come with me to Goloka, actually probably to Ayodhya. And she said, no, no, I, you know, I, I'm happy to go with you, but I'd also, I'm happy to stay here to do service either way. You want me to go and do serve you, serve you there, serve you here? And he said, well, if you stay here, then Supreme Lord Ramachandra and his brother Lakshman will come and visit you. He said, okay, then I will stay here. So she stayed on the planet, and he didn't tell her when they were coming. He just said, they'll come. So every day she would get the ashram ready. Every day she would pick flowers, and she didn't want the Lord to have to walk on the stony path, so she would cover the path with flowers. She would pick forest fruit, and she'd get ready for him to come. Really, that's what we should be doing. Every day we should be thinking, you know, maybe today when I chant my japa, I'll see Krishna. Maybe today when the curtains open, I'll really see that it's Krishna on the altar. Maybe today... When I take prasadam, I'll really taste that this is Krishna. And we should be preparing our heart every day for Krishna to come. And how happy that we'll be if Krishna actually comes. Right? We're preparing, preparing, and then there's Krishna. So you would think that if Krishna came to Kaliya's house, that he'd be happy. But he wasn't. So sometimes we think, well, I'd be a devotee if Krishna showed up. The reason that I'm not advancing, it's Krishna's fault. He's just not coming. He's just not reciprocating with me. If when I looked at the altar, instead of seeing grass and marble and wood, I saw Krishna, well, of course I would surrender. If when I chanted Hare Krishna, it wasn't just sounds, it was Krishna, of course I would surrender. But here we see that Kaliya saw Krishna. Krishna came into his house, and he didn't get excited. He didn't say, oh, yeah, Krishna's gone. He became very angry. 
How dare Krishna come to my house? Now he saw that Krishna was very beautiful. He appreciated, wow, this person who's come into my house is extraordinarily beautiful. He said, wow, he's got legs soft and as beautiful and as fragrant as a lotus flower. He's got the Srivats mark on his chest. He's covered with jewels. Notice his glittering yellow garments. And he also noticed how Krishna was playing with great strength. It's interesting in Chaitanya Leela, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was giving out benedictions, but he wouldn't want to see Mukunda because Mukunda would also associate with the impersonal. And then they asked him, will you ever see Mukunda? He said, yes, after 10 million births. And Mukunda was dancing. Oh, I'll see Lord Chaitanya in 10 million births. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard that, he asked them to bring Mukunda in. And Mukunda said, really, Lord, seeing you is not the benediction. Serving you is the benediction. He said, so many demons have seen you. So Kaliya saw Krishna. He appreciated Krishna's beauty, Krishna's strength, Krishna's opulences, but his mood was anger. And his great anger, he bit Krishna on the chest. And then he grabbed Krishna in his coils for two hours. Or sometimes it says 48 minutes, according to different interpretations. Now all this time, Kali was wondering who Krishna was. Now meanwhile, the cowherd boys and the calves and some of the farmers working in the fields who saw all this happening, were so stunned with fear that they just didn't enter the lake to try to help Krishna. And they had dedicated everything, their property, their lives, their thoughts, their relatives, everything to Krishna. It's something like, you know, if you put all of your money into one bank account and that bank is failing, how you would feel. If you kept all of your valuable possessions in one place. So we're saying, this is, we, you know, everything. We've given everything to Krishna. There's, he's everything to us. The cows and the bulls and the calves and all the animals of Vrindavan started to cry with different noises, and they all were just standing still on the bank of the lake. And none of them were moving. They were just like statues. And Krishna's friends, their bodily color faded. They just turned white. And they started producing horrible gurgling sounds. And then they just fell unconscious on the earth. So this time, there were bad omens. The earth was trembling in the water, in the sky. And these ill omens are considered to be the sign of the demigods' affection for Krishna. They felt so much affection for Krishna that they were exhibiting these bad omens. They were also symptoms of the affection of the residents of Vrindavan for Krishna, that Krishna was in danger. I mean, it's interesting because usually we think about Krishna saving us from danger. You know, there's not that many pastimes where Krishna appears to be in danger, is it? It's a very unusual pastime where Krishna himself appears to be in danger. Of course, we said Kaliya represents the poisoning of the hearts of the devotees. So if our hearts are poisoned, then it's like Krishna's in danger within our hearts. So another reason that there were these ill moments, ill omens was to show how evil Kaliya was. Now this is important, and we'll get to this a little later, but generally the way the residents of Vrindavan feel is they want everyone 
to be able to stay in Vrindavana. They don't want anybody ever to be thrown out of Vrindavana. So if Krishna wants to throw someone out, he has to convince everyone else that that person or that being is very evil. So he wanted them all to see how evil Kaliya was. And he also wanted all the residents of Vrindavan to come to the lake. The jackals started to howl, the earth was trembling, meteors were falling, there was smoke and dust in the sky, there were strong winds, and people's bodies shivered, women on the right side and men on the left side. If a woman's body shivers on the right, that's a bad sign. If it shivers on the left, it's a good sign. Then the cowherd men of the village felt great fear, especially when they heard that Balaram didn't go. Then they were completely in anxiety, all these bad omens, and Balaram didn't even go. And for them also, nothing was dearer to them than Krishna. They dedicated everything to Krishna. They, they didn't have any investment anyplace else. If Krishna's gone, then their own life is also finished. And they thought, today Krishna's going to be vanquished. And their love for Krishna increased. You'll find many times in the stories that Krishna acts in such a way as to increase the love of the devotees for him. Generally, when we enter into relationships with people, we are hoping that our relationships keep getting better and better in time that our love keeps growing. And when people get married, often people will say things like, I hope your love keeps growing stronger over the years. So therefore Krishna arranges the pastimes so the devotee's love is always growing. Then all the living entities assemble. Now usually in Vrindavana, Krishna is with different groups of devotees at different times. In the morning and the evening, he's with his parents, at midday, in the middle of the night, he's with the young cowherd girls. In the middle of the day, the, the late morning and the early afternoon, he's with the cowherd boys. And it's very rare that Krishna is with all the devotees at once. That happens when he lifts Govard on hill. And it also happens in this pastime. In this pastime, everyone in Vrindavan, and not only just the village, when Krishna, usually when he goes in the forest, the people in the village are not seeing him. When he's in the village, the animals of the forest are not seeing him. So in this case, everyone from both the village and the forest were going after Krishna. So children, young people, old people, men, women. And then Balaram, sometimes it says he was silent, and other times it says he was smiling, and other commentators say he was laughing. So why was he laughing? Uh, he didn't want everyone to die. He was trying to say, don't worry, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid. Sometimes we think there's some catastrophe in our life. Right? But this is the greatest catastrophe. And Balaram saying, don't worry, you have nothing to fear. Also, he was laughing out of great respect for how much love the residents of Vrindavan have for Krishna. He was also laughing because he thought... I have a snake form too, as a Nantasesha, and Krishna never goes and plays with me. And he played with his ordinary snake. Then Balaram asked Rohini not to come, so everybody went except for Rohini. What does Rohini do? That's one of Rohini's main services. Cooking. So any big festival, who doesn't get to go? The cooks. Right? When you're the cook at the festival, 
you're always in the good kitchen. Everyone else is at the Rakiatra, everyone else is in the Kirtan, everyone else is hearing the seminars, and you're in the kitchen. So that even happens in, with Rohini and <laughs> She has to stay in the kitchen. I'm not sure if she shows up later, but at least at this time. He said, listen, Mother, everybody's going to be hungry after Krishna defeats this snake, so you better go and cook. <laughs> so then all the residents of Vrindavan go there, and it was a little difficult for them to walk because they were crying so much that the path got muddy. Just imagine how much they must have been crying. Have you ever tried to walk on a very muddy path? Okay. One time my aunt and my good friends in Hawaii, she took me for a hike. And the first hike she took me on was very nice. When I visited again, she said, would you like to go for a hike? I said, sure. Hike is uh, like walking in the, like a long walk. Uh, like a long walk, that's good enough. Close enough. So uh, this time we went on a hike. It was up a mountain to see a waterfall, but the whole path was muddy. And it was all muddy rocks. <laughs> the whole way you're just looking at your feet and trying to walk carefully. You couldn't even look around at the forest. So walking on a muddy path is very difficult, very stressful. But this shows the love of the residents of Vrindavana. Uh, just like we'll hear about tomorrow, how the cows are running down Govardhan Hill to see Krishna. So Krishna often uh, likes the devotees to demonstrate their love by coming to him despite obstacles. We sometimes think, well, if Krishna really wants me to come to him, why doesn't he just make everything easy? Ah, but that isn't a way to show love. That's not how you show love. You show love by going to Krishna even when it's difficult. If you think about all of the stories of romance in the world, usually there's some obstacle. Right? Or not even romance. People are going to be fighting for some cause. They're fighting for the rights of workers to have a safe environment, or they're fighting for some new scientific achievement that will help mankind. And they often have to go through some obstacles, and as they go through some obstacles, that shows the glory of their devotion. So, of course, in one sense, the residents of Vrindavan created this obstacle by all of their tears. Now, even though they were muddying the ground, it didn't muddy Krishna's footprints, and they were able to follow him. How did they know where Krishna went? Vrindavan is a big place. How are you going to find Krishna? So they're following his footprints. And you may say, how are the footprints there? And that's because all of the residents of Vrindavan are very careful that they never mess up Krishna's footprints. So the cows always walk around Krishna's footprints. When they're crying, they're crying around Krishna's footprints. So when they finally get to this lake, I mean, just imagine, they, they didn't even know what had happened to Krishna the whole time they're walking. They just see all these ill omens. They know that Krishna went without Balaram. They don't really know what happened. As they get to where the Krishna's footprints end, the first thing that they see are the animals and the cowherd boys who were either lying unconscious or who were stunned. So, you know, if you had lost someone dear to you, you lost some little child who was dear to you and you're following their path and then you find their friends are all just staring into space, 
then you think, oh, something terrible must have happened. So when they saw everybody stunned, then they felt even more anxiety. And they asked the counter voice, because of course they can see that their Krishna is in the coil of Kaliya's. And they say, did Krishna go in voluntarily? Did Kaliya come out of the lake and drag him in? But everybody was just either stunned or crying. So nobody answered. They couldn't get any kind of answer. And Balaram, who went, is still smiling. He's just been smiling the whole time. And especially the young gopis. But everybody, they're remembering Krishna's friendship and smiling face and sweet words and all the dealings he had with them. And then they see that the whole world is vacant. So, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu talks about this, that the world is sunya, the world is zero without you. And Prabhupada talks about how this is another kind of illusion. He said, obviously, the world's not vacant. Now, if you look around the world, oh, it's vacant. It's not vacant. There's so many things in the world. Uh, but there's also a kind of illusion that the pure devotees have, this illusion of love where they see everything is vacant. So who wants to go in the lake to save Krishna? The soda. She wants to go in and... Uh, her friends stop her. Although her friends have almost as much love for Krishna as she does. So they stop her and they, she faints and they bring her back. They're telling her all about Krishna's pastimes. Especially they talk about how Krishna has killed demons. They especially tell Mother Yasoda about the demon killing, killing pastimes. So now Yasoda's taken care of. Now do you think who wants to go in the lake? Nanda Maharaj and his friends. Let's go save Krishna. And Balaram stops them, and either he stops them with a smile, or stops them, physically stops them, or talks about Krishna's pastimes to stop them, or tells them about Gargamuni's predictions, that Krishna would always vanquish the enemies. So now Nandamaraj goes over to Yasoda and he said, you know, it would be better for both of us to die in the Jamuna since Krishna's already dying. What more do we have to live for? And at this point, Krishna's been in Kaliya's coils for so long that everyone's just kind of lying on the ground dead. We're almost at the point of death. So sometimes we may feel like this. Actually, if we one theme that I would like to focus on is that all of us, in one sense, are already part of Krishna's pastimes. How are we part of Krishna's pastimes? but we're part and parcel of him. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. Therefore, we're already part of Krishna's pastimes. Also, Bhaktivinoda Thakur in Jaiva Dharma says the whole material world is also Krishna's pastimes. He said, our suffering comes from not being a willing participant. And if we choose to... The, word the Thakur uses is exult. If we choose to exult in Krishna's pastimes, then we become happy. But we see here that Krishna's pastimes sometimes involves apparent grief for the devotee. It's not that from our material vision that everything in Krishna's pastimes is always a party. Although it says like that in the story of Lord Varaha, that it's a perpetual festival. But sometimes the festival also has grief. But that's also exciting. I mean, people pay money to go to movies where they cry. 
Was it a good movie? Oh yes, bring a lot of tissues so you can cry. So this crying out of love for Krishna is also very pleasurable. But if we want to enter into Krishna's pastimes, if we want to see how Krishna is working in our life now, it's also a question of being willing to participate in pastimes where there may be some apparent grief. So this time Balaram assures everyone of Krishna's great power. And then Balaram speaks to Krishna. He says, oh Krishna, Krishna, these people are not just your associates in Vaikuntha. They're not your monkey associates. They're not the Yadus. They're the people of Raja. You are their only life and soul. They're dying now. I don't have any power to save them. They're now lifeless. Oh, merciful Krishna, only friend of the people of Raja. Please give up this pastime, or your own gentle heart will become filled with grief. So as Balaram speaks this, then Krishna sees, okay, they can't take anymore. Does Krishna often do this in our lives? Take us to the point where we can't take anymore, and then he gives us relief. Saves us at the last minute. The heroes usually like to do that, don't they? Save the world at the last minute. So Krishna is saving the devotees at the last minute. So he expands his body, and Kaliya just can't take the strain, and his coils slacken, and then he has no choice but to let go. So now Kali is even angrier, but Sanatana Goswami says that he's exhibiting the symptoms of Sattvakambhava, the eight involuntary symptoms of ecstasy, because after all, he was embracing Krishna. So now he's very angry, and he expands his hoods, and from his nostrils come out poisonous fumes, and his, his nostrils look so big, they look like vats. You know what vat is? Like a huge pot that witches cook in, you know, cauldron, we also call it. So his nostrils look like these huge vats and this poisonous, you ever seen some picture of a witch cooking in a big cauldron and poisonous fumes are coming out? So that's what his nostrils look like. And his eyes were also full of poison. And out of his mouth was coming fire. So for a while he kind of just stayed still looking at Krishna. Then he has a forked tongue, you know, and he's like, 